0: Welcome back to another episode of Raising Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Barden, and today our guest is Rich Kordom, who is the VP of Strategic Partnerships at CARE. Welcome to the show, Rich.
1: Thanks, Amber. Excited to be on.
0: I'm so excited to do this episode. As listeners may know, we have spoken to the CEO of CARE in the past on a very early episode that we did a while ago. So we thought it was a great time to do a refresh. There's been a lot of changes, both in the industry and the staffing experience and in CARE itself. So really glad to have you here so we can talk about what's going on, what's new. For those listeners who are not familiar with CARE, to start off with, can you just tell us a little bit about what is CARE? And what are the specific problems you're looking to solve in the industry?
1: Care, if you're not familiar, it's a digital labor marketplace that connects pre-qualified caregivers with communities to help with their staffing challenges. What I mean by a labor marketplace is that we have tens of thousands of frontline caregivers that are on our platform that are essentially pre-qualified. We'll do all the verification, making sure that they meet state requirements for their licensed position, background checks, drug screening, and they are then eligible and looking for work. So when communities work with care, it's really to help with a lot of the challenges that they face in the past when you look from a third-party labor sense. Agency has been kind of a bad There's a bad reputation, I guess, over the years. And a lot of what has been done is what led to the foundation of CARE that I know Charles has shared with your listeners in the past. But just kind of a recap on that. Agencies typically would have lengthy contracts with communities. Quality of labor sometimes wasn't the greatest. You had no control who was coming into your community. And at the end of the day, if you found somebody you liked, you couldn't hire someone without a stiff penalty. And so those are the things that CARE really wanted to disrupt and change. And so by having this marketplace of nurses, it's giving communities access to thousands of verified caregivers that can come in and work a shift in their community. So communities, when they use care, they just post their own shifts to the platform, say what type of position they're looking for, give a little shift description, and then thousands of caregivers have access to view that shift. They can apply for that shift communities can view the profiles of the care heroes that are on the platform look at ratings and reviews that have been left about them and ultimately choose who comes to their building and if you've had a positive experience with someone you can hire them for free so communities are using it not only to help with the immediate challenges of being fully staffed at their communities but they're starting to look at it at a way that you know we can provide relief to our current staff from an overtime perspective and not having to burn our staff out, but also recruit new talent to come into your communities.
0: And if anyone who's listening to this podcast has been to any type of conference in the last two years, I know you have seen care there because your marketing strategy is very bold. It's very out there. Everybody's got the matching t-shirts and they usually have bright orange shoes and there's definitely a real presence that you can feel with care when you're at a conference, but you also have a very bold marketing strategy with the statement, staffing agencies suck. I don't know if you're qualified to dive a little bit into uh, you know, how you guys came up with that marketing strategy and how effective that's been, but what message are you trying to get out when you say things like that
1: yes we have been very obnoxious with our marketing and i didn't say that
0: you did (laughs) it's, it's,
1: it's good we've got a slide that we share that has that on there it's it's really come out that way and when you see something like that it's it one catches attention but we truly want people to understand we're a disruptor to what agencies have done there's been a lot of challenges there's been um some bad players that have come into the industry frankly, to take advantage of communities from a price gouging standpoint, stealing their staff. You know, and those are things that with care, we truly want to provide communities uh, a solution that's going to be able to give them the power and the flexibility to use care when they want, however they would like to, and ultimately try to recruit and hire new talent. We encourage communities to do so. Yes, it is a marketing uh, stance that's really we, we've kind of been known for it. We're known for, for our orange everywhere as I got my orange kicks right back here behind me. Shockingly, I happen to be in blue today for whatever reason.
0: So one of the things that I really like about care that I always share with our clients is how, and you did kind of briefly mention this when you're giving your overall description, but just to elaborate and make sure people understand this is that you encourage direct hires to communities and you don't charge any fees. Can you just talk a little bit more in detail about that aspect of the platform?
1: We're encouraging them to go because we know that we've got data that backs a lot of this up that, you know, 60% plus of your frontline care staff has some form of secondary job. And our goal is is to be their secondary job. I mean, that second job, they might have minimums on the number of hours, specific dates that they have to work. Now they're working in your community Monday morning from eight to four, and then they've got to go do their second job at five o'clock and head straight to that. Care gives the caregiver the complete flexibility to make their own schedule, choose where they work, when they work. So they might not have to put in that running from one job directly to the next. And so they can find when it's going to work with their schedule. So even if a community is hiring our people that are on the care platform, there's a strong chance. And what we want to do is to continue to grow our our labor force that's on the care platform to be able to pick up open shifts, utilize it as that secondary job.
0: So I know you've been talking about the clinical aspect with nursing specifically. What is the approach and future vision for other positions that are notoriously difficult to hire for things like dining and housekeeping?
1: Yeah, it is something that's been, a, been you know, kind of a thought during the pandemic in some of our larger markets, you know, we were approached and had some conversations with some large hotel operators and it made sense at that time. And we did help with some of that staff that was you know, furloughed or wasn't working at that particular time frame. That was at a time where we were really trying to grow care. Care started in 2019, and then six months after the first shift is spill the pandemic hits, and it kind of changes things up. But we wanted to get back to what we were really focused on was growing that frontline care staff, and we've grown to a point today where we're in 38 states there is conversations in terms of. Do we look at it from different solutions in the caregiver standpoint that we know that communities are telling us that they're short staffed with? Is it dining? You deserve conversations to be able to bring dining and hospitality back into this. There's always that opportunity, I think, in the future, but with that, there also comes some challenges with that, where if you have somebody that's a housekeeper, there's endless opportunities that are open for them from restaurants, hotels, and and whatnot, where if you're a CNA, you know, there's it's a little bit more, you know, siloed in terms of where you're going to be able to go work to use their your skills. So there is conversation potentially, is it something that we open up again into the future? We are having not to reveal too much, you know, where there's conversations looking how can we grow our current services today and can definitely expect something into into the future.
0: If a community is struggling with staffing, Talk me through how does using care compare from an ROI perspective to using an agency or direct hire?
1: Agency rates have really kind of expanded. They've come down some from what I've seen, but we don't tell our partners, our clients, what they need to set their rates at. You know, we have the same per hour fee that we add on if they want to offer $5 $5 an hour or $50 an hour it's the same flat rate that goes on to that. Now your your shift might not get filled if you offered $5 an hour. Our goal is to fall somewhere between what you would pay for your own fully burdened full-time employee and overtime. Um because we know that overtime number is is something that's extremely costly and I get it. You know, communities will tell us Consistent staff is our best staff, and therefore we would rather pay overtime. Have you know third-party labor that comes in the building? But when you start looking at your overtime expenses, it continues to add up and continue to grow. And so we want to provide something that's going to be able to you know be uh, competitive with what you are paying from an overtime perspective, where your agency rates are typically far much farther over that. So really finding that sweet spot between what you would pay your own fully burdened employee and an overtime. Um, you know, to save cost to the community, but also provide a relief, a much needed relief and break for your own current team.
0: Thanks for that explanation. I'm sure that's a big question most of our listeners are thinking about as they listen to this episode. Shifting gears a little bit, as we all know, there's been a lot of transition and change in the industry overall in the last few years. Certainly COVID was a huge part of that. Following COVID, obviously the great resignation and a lot of staffing challenges. What is CARE seeing as far as the major shifts? Like what would you identify as sort of the major trends in staffing? And is there anything that you can share as far as your insight in any of the changes that we're going to continue to see in the next few years?
1: Communities have really started accepting as much as they can, you know, third party labor, and where we've seen there's been a lot of new entrants that have come into the place, and everybody's got their own little niche and things that are there. Communities have really learned from this as we look at who our workforce is today and what they are looking for. We've seen a lot of changes on the community front in terms of offering more flexible shifts and maybe you know quicker pay. So I think communities are really pivoting and changing as I've heard from folks that their, you know, staffing challenges are getting better and being able to retain and recruit new folks. But uh some of the other changes we've seen over this time frame is from a legislative standpoint. And I'm not talking from the large minimum staffing ratio. I know that we might get into that, but states are starting to introduce new legislation to provide a little bit more transparency in terms of what rate uh, agencies and third-party labor are charging, holding them to specific standards that communities are held to today. And you know, for the most part, you know, CARE 100% supports what is going on from a legislative uh, perspective. Um, states last year that had some stuff passed, I know Pennsylvania had an agency bill that had passed. Recently, New York has one. I just sat in on a call yesterday, a briefing to discuss it. Is that going to be rolling out? Missouri's rolling something out. But primarily, because there's been so many new entrants that have come into the staffing place, there's not a good place to be able to identify who are they, you know? And so first phase is really, let's have a registry of who is providing third-party labor. And then two, they want to understand what rates are. There's not a lot of rate caps that are saying you can't charge over this amount, but we are seeing, we want to understand, you know, uh, what you are accepting, but then also what's being paid to the caregiver. They want to see how far off is that from what, you know, staff at communities are are currently making. So we, we are seeing a lot of changes there. CARES pivoted to make sure that we're aligning with these, to make sure that we're compliant with that. Some of the things are from CARES model being unique from uh, 1099 independent contractor perspective, making sure that our partners are protected by making sure our heroes purchase insurance policies uh, from malpractice, cybersecurity, just crime insurance to make sure that they're protected when they're in the communities. Also offering an EPLI policy to protect communities from harassment or if anything happens within the the communities. And that's something that we're seeing in a lot of the legislation as well, is to make sure that, you know, communities feel protected when workers are coming in to their buildings to provide provide care for the elders.
0: I think that's a really good point. Is that I feel not just senior living, but the country as a whole is really in this transition period with traditional employee practices changing a lot and shifting to this gig worker economy. And that's obviously just been a huge disruptor in a lot of other industries and sectors. And I think it is now hitting senior living and you're a part of that solution, but it is a mindset shift to get communities to think about this differently because as you probably know, A lot of communities have really long-term employees that they've had for a long time and that's been their model. So what would you say to providers to help encourage them to think about this new and different way of providing staffing?
1: The gig economy, it's it's continuing to pop up. You've seen it in other industries. It's coming in healthcare, it's it's been there and in senior care and it's I don't think it's going away anytime soon and so it's to be accepting of it and you need to look especially when you're looking at like a model like care that you can hire for free is is you have a lot of long-term employees that are at these communities but the other piece that we're not that we didn't mention is there is think of the number of of employees that are turning over in that first 30 to 90 days you know it's a huge number that is is not there and communities i feel i i know everybody's been guilty of it you make a bad hire. You know, it's been so challenging to get candidates to come in when you do have someone come through, you go ahead and, and make the hire because you definitely need a body that's on Um, on the floor. And so looking at who you're partnering with from a third-party labor standpoint, it can be your best new recruiting method to be able to see somebody, how do they engage with your current team to make sure there's a cultural fit, as we know that's so important, but also how are they engaging with your family members and your residents to make sure it's a fit. And it's a fit on both sides, you know, not just for the community, but for the caregiver as well giving them the ability to kind of try before you buy. I think that there's, that's something that it should be a new method of recruiting for, for communities today, if it's not.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going through a lot of change right now in in so many different aspects, and this is just a part of that. Is there anything you are at liberty to discuss that is new with care that's coming out that people can look forward to?
1: We will have some things, but some of the changes that we've that we've made in, in making sure our clients, it's really just to provide a little bit more transparency with the help that we're being provided. You're able to see hours that Heroes have worked for you. So that way, if you're curious to make sure that somebody's not working over X number of hours in a period of time, providing a little more flexibility for communities to see that. Really just continuing to enhance the platform to make it more user-friendly for those. And also, you know, we're really kind of pushing and growing our our partnerships piece with other vendors and different partners that we can do. So that way, we can certainly be a resource to be able to, uh, you know, help with other issues that you currently might be having that we can certainly make introductions to our partners to others that we feel might be a good value add for them.
0: Rich, we've covered a lot of topics today. I'm really glad we got a chance to sit down together again. Is there anything else that you think our listeners should know about care before we wrap up?
1: I think one of the things is everybody looks at it just from a providing labor type of standpoint, but I do think one important notice is because we have so many caregivers on our platform, we get the opportunity to ask them questions, not just what's your shift preference and this and that. We ask questions in terms of what motivates you to come to work each day if you were offered an extra $1. fifty an hour at you know, in the hospitality industry, would you leave? And it's some pretty fascinating data. We get into a lot of stuff on benefits, but then we also ask community leaders these same types of questions. And so you can really see where there's alignment, but then also where we might be missing the boat on some of these things. I, I encourage folks, you know, check out you know, our white papers that we do have. But if there's even one piece of advice that I can offer off of this, we learn so much by asking questions and we love to go around and speak on this, I encourage, you know, communities to make sure that you're asking questions to your caregivers. You're going to learn so much. One of the studies that we do have, and we start asking, you know, about disrespect, and we dove into disrespect a little bit more, and why don't you feel respected? Caregivers are saying, well, you're not listening to my ideas. So if you are going to ask these questions, it's extremely even more important that you do something with it, to show that you're taking in consideration what they're saying uh, to be able to drive improvement for you. And ultimately, I think it's something that can lead to your retention rates, uh, but also from helping from a recruitment standpoint. So I think your current employees can be some of your best recruiters. And if they enjoy where they're working, they're going to be able to talk well about it out to their friends.
0: I agree with you 100% on that. And I didn't know that you guys had all that data. It's really interesting to know it's something that I learned today as part of our conversation. Do you share that with all of your clients or is it available through white papers like you said?
1: It's available in white papers that we have on the website. It is it is something that we will push out. Our marketing team pushes new things out to our partners as it's there. Typically on the website, you can go and download any of those white papers that do get published.
0: So speaking of that, how can our listeners find out more about CARE and who can they reach out to if they'd like to learn more?
1: Simply our, our website is ducare.com and cares with a K you go on there, you can certainly, there's there's a link at the bottom of the page that'll say subscribe now, or you can learn more about care. You can go to the community experience, need a hero form. You can simply complete something and it sends it to our team. We're able to follow up with you. Otherwise, there's also a number on the website.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. And listeners, if you'd like to find more episodes on Raising Tech, you can find them on our website, parasolalliance.com under the resources page.